just a small town girl living in a lonely world. She took the midnight train going anywhere. Just a city boy, born and raised in South Detroit. He took the midnight train going.
I feel like I'm a whiter shade of pale tonight. Man, I am tired, guys. I, I am more tired, or is the word tired, tireder, Glenn? What's the word, tireder or more tired? Exhausted. I'm exhausted from this trip to Huntsville. 
Hey you guys, and me both. what? Do what? What's the You and me both, man. Yeah. Hey guys, welcome to uh, Amateur Radio Roundtable. And uh, hey, this is a this is a show about shortwave, about ham radio, amateur radio, electronics, and uh, other things like that. And we're uh, we're glad you're with us tonight. And uh, I'm going to try not to fall asleep. You know, Glenn fell asleep on a show one night, and we had trouble waking him. Now, Glenn, probably do it again tonight. If I fall asleep, Glenn, if I fall asleep, I want you guys to yell at me because I am, man, I am, I'm exhausted. Okay, where was I? Hey, thanks for tuning in, and uh, you may be listening out there on shortwave on 7490 kilohertz. You're listening on WBCQ up in Monticello, Maine, right on the borderline of Canada and Maine. And, uh, you know, I, I think we're relatively low transmit power, probably only 50,000 watts. Uh, but uh, we're being heard quite a few places. So, hey, send me an email if you can, if you have internet there. Send me an email if you're listening and send that to uh, W5KUB, uh, Tom at W5KUB.com. I'm not thinking very well tonight. Tom at W5KUB.com, and tell us where you are in the world and how you're hearing the station and all that kind of good stuff there, man. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, hey, join our Facebook group. Our Facebook group is just W5KUB. Just put that in a little search bar on Facebook. We've got about 14,000 members in that group. It's growing all the time, and uh, we'd love to have you. We'll approve you as soon as you uh, try to join there. And if you will, hit that uh, subscribe button. It's, I think it's right over here. The subscribe button should be, should be right down here somewhere. Hit that, uh, hit that subscribe button, and that helps us to, you know, advertise the show and get, get more people involved in, uh, in the show here. And, boys, I, I really apologize. The, this, uh, I don't know if it's the age or what, man, but uh, when I came back from Huntsville, we crashed yesterday. I mean, we were almost sick feeling yesterday, you know. And uh, I don't know about you, Glenn. How, how did you do yesterday? Um, I just kind of lounged around. and didn't get a whole lot done yesterday, but I can tell you today at work I was hurting. Uh, <laughs> it was a struggle to get through work. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I got to go back in tomorrow. All right. Well, hey, we've got several things for you tonight. We're going uh, to – I want to talk about we set a new record, W5 – KUB-113 has now broken our our uh, our last latest flight of 120 days. It's yeah, Tom, they're saying turn your audio up. Well, turn, Mark turn is saying my, it's good. Well, Mark, Wayne says it needs to come up. Mark says it's good. All right. Well, maybe Mark. Who said it needs to come up? Dwayne. Dwayne. Yeah, but Dwayne, it's always weak at Dwayne. I think always. All right, all right, Dwayne, turn your audio up, and Mark, you turn your audio down, and maybe we'll get this right, man. Yeah. <laughs> all all right. right, they're saying audio's good. Go for okay, it. Okay, I think the audio's okay. All right, uh, where was I? I forget where I was, man. My my mind's going to sleep here tonight. Oh, we got several things. I, we got some pictures. We want to little, give you a little recap of what went on at uh, Huntsville uh, uh, this past weekend at Huntsville, Alabama Ham Fest. It was great, and Glenn and I talk a little about it. Got some pictures here I want to show you, some of the people that we uh, talked to and met. Uh, we'll talk to you a little bit about uh, 113 uh, now. Is it 121 days? I guarantee you we're going to hit a year on that flight, and I think we could hit two years on that flight. 
I just I really do feel confident that it's going to keep flying. We'll talk about the winner of the uh, CA500 uh, antenna analyzer uh, and uh, maybe just a lot of other things. So, ooh, so Glenn, uh, enlighten us with a few words there before we get started, man. What do you got to say? Huntsville was fun. Um, the, the thing I noticed about Huntsville for me was, first of all, I had mostly new people in my forum. And there was all sorts of new parts and stuff in the flea market this year. I don't want to call it junk, but there was different stuff in the flea market this year. So that made the flea market a lot of fun. Well, I got a chance, uh, not much of a chance, uh, but uh, I did do a, a quick walk around. I've got about a 30-minute walk around filmed that we ran uh, while we were there. We're not going to show that tonight, but I've got some still pictures to show. Uh, you know, I got a chance to kind of walk around real quick before they opened the doors and saw a few things and, uh, uh, you know, a couple other times. I had some help this year. Uh, I really appreciate it. I tell you, uh, we, uh, Brett was there. Brett was there, and he helped us out a whole lot, and uh, we really appreciate that, WY7BG. Earl, Earl there, there, he was a, a great uh, anchor for us, uh, and uh, Earl helped us a whole lot. Uh, let's see. Uh, of course, Glenn, you know, I mean, I can't say he was much help. No, I'm he, never, not, not, never much he's help. He's not ever I'm much help, but he's always, he's always here with us, guys. So we thank, we thank him for that, man. Let's see, what else, who else, did somebody else help here? Let's see. If I'm forgetting somebody, let me know, man. But, uh, again, thanks to Brett and thanks to uh, Earl. Now, Brett's from Wyoming. He came all the way in from Wyoming just to see this and, Maybe he can give us a little, little uh, reach, a uh, little, little uh, update to chat room on uh, how he thought it was. Uh, and we had Earl there from Soggy Daisy, Tennessee. Soggy, Soggy, Soggy Daisy. Well, it's probably Soggy too. Soggy yeah. Daisy, Tennessee. If you don't know where that is, look it up, man. All right. Oh, let's see. Well. Let's just jump into this thing here, man. I got some pictures. We'll uh, we'll throw those pictures on here. Let's see. Yeah, uh, Joe was there. K zero NEB was there. Uh, you know, hey, let's talk a little about our competition. You know, uh, uh, Glenn and and I decided that we were going to team up against Joe Eisenberg this year because Joe always wins all the prizes. And Joe, every every year he goes to this place where they sell used or air, airline uh, unclaimed stuff, and Joe always has to pick him up a couple of extra suitcases to go home every time after the ham fest. So we decided that we were going to gang up on him this time, and we were going to beat him. I think Joe ended up with two prizes. That's uh, correct. And Glenn, what what was your final count? I only won one. Oh, I thought you had two. No, just one. Just one, okay. But guys, I actually, I don't know how I did it, but actually I won seven prizes on on Saturday and two on Sunday. I was hoping for the one of the big prizes, but hey, you know, didn't get it. So uh, we beat Joe for sure. We beat him. And uh, Joe was a little disappointed, I think, when he left. And, uh, man, I don't know. I, I hope he comes back next year. <laughs> Well, you didn't win the big prize, though. 
No, I didn't. And, 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 that was uh, kind of unusual. Yeah, and, and you know, hey, and uh, you know, hey, I didn't win a uh, FTM 6000. That was probably the nicest prize. That was a, a, a dual band uh, mobile radio. And then, you know, I think I won some Dayton Ham Fest tickets, some Orlando tickets. You won some uh, Orlando. I think you won four Orlando tickets. I don't. I think it was only two. Uh, I, I won. Uh, oh, I won a, a, a Explorer backpack. I'm not a real backpacking guy, but I won that. Uh, one uh some of these name signs that you know go by uh, the 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 leds on it and uh a hundred dollar gift certificate i think from uh, dx engineering and a hundred dollars from somebody else i don't know who they are and then just some other little odds and ends you know uh some of the stuff we took we we told them just give it you know take it back give it to somebody else so uh, we did that hey we'll probably give some of those prizes uh, that I, that i've got there we'll probably give it away on a show here uh, uh, in a week or two, we'll figure out how to give them out, and uh, uh, I'm sure uh, we, you know we've got the. Well, we'll just we'll just try to uh, figure out a way to give some of those prizes back out to our viewers uh, on the show here. Uh, okay, let's see. Uh, Well, let me just go ahead and mention, I see the winner, the winner is logged in here, Don, uh, W-A-4-Y-Y-M. Uh, he's, you know, he's been uh, kind of regular with the show here for uh, a number of years. Uh, Don, uh, W-A-4-Y-Y-M, I call him Papa Doc, and that's what, I think that's what his grandkids call him. I heard, heard that once that he was called that, so... I call him Papa Doc, but he he may not like that. I don't know. Uh, you know, Papa Doc was also a uh, what do you call it? A, a, a he was a dictator, a dictator. Down in Haiti. He was a dictator in Haiti. That was Papa Doc. So I don't know. I don't know if Papa Doc wants me to call him that or not, man. I don't know. But uh, hey, I think the Haiti guy's gone right now. They have nobody down yeah, there. Yeah, he's he's gone. Yeah, they have nobody down there. Oh, uh, okay. Oh. Uh, Let's see. Uh, okay, so uh, Doc won the CA500. Let me just get that out of the way, and I'll mark it off my list here. So congratulations. We uh, we we told Doc. Uh, uh, we we let him know Sunday that he he won it. Uh, okay, so we'll mark that out. Congratulations, uh, Papa Doc, for winning the CA500, man. I know you'll like it. Uh, I've got one, and I, I really use it a whole lot there. So let me take care. Let me take care of a couple just quick little short uh, tidbits here, real quick. Let's look at. Let's look at um, W5KUB 113. Guys, here it is. Uh, we now have surpassed our best record of 320 days. 113 now has hit uh, 121 days. So we we now officially can can claim that we've hit 121. Uh, if if you've been following us, we think 112. Uh, what did I say? 121. You said 121 is 321. Well, yeah, my mind has just gone to Your sleep tonight. Your mind is shot man. tonight. It has gone to sleep tonight. Uh, 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 112. We think it's still flying. We've had transmitter problems with it. And the signal just started getting real weak. The altitude stayed the same, but the signal was starting to get real weak, and finally it just quit. Uh, 
So we think it's still flying out there. Heck, uh, the only the only thing we have for proof that we we're, we're over 321 days now is flight 113. And you can see right there we we did uh, four uh, revolutions around the Earth in uh, in the northern uh, hemisphere. We went down through Africa. This, right after they shot the first balloon down, uh, uh, Larry, Daryl, and his other brother, Daryl, uh, took uh, 113 down. They've been flying down in the uh, Antarctic region ever since. And I think if you count those lines, there's about 20 lines, so probably roughly 20, uh, uh, 20 laps around the world there. Now, a lap down, down there where they are is quite a bit shorter. You know, a lap around the world at the equator is about uh, 24,000 miles, I think. So a little north of there, it's going to be less. Uh, let's say a, a normal lap would be 23,000, 22,000 miles. Down around where it's flying down near Antarctica, I think the distance around is about 17 or 18,000 miles. So um, it's, you know, we've got a shorter route to get around the world down here. Hey, if we could get down around the equator and just go around the pole there, that would be better, man. We could we could make a round about every five minutes, you know. That'd, that'd be kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. So there we are. There we are, guys, right there. And uh, hey, uh, follow it on our, our website, w5kub.com. Click on balloon in the menu, and uh, you can follow it there. Uh, I'm planning maybe next month to launch another balloon uh, for a retirement center. My cousin just moved into it. He's a ham. And uh, they've asked me to uh, uh, put a balloon up for them. So I, I guess that'll give uh, all the people there at the retirement center something to do. Uh, during the evenings, they can go check and see where their balloon is. We'll have to think of a good name for it. All right. All right. So that's, uh, that's the update on 113. All right. Let's, uh, let's grab some pictures, and uh, Glenn, you can chime in too if you see a picture that that uh, you want to talk about. Let me see if I can figure out how to do this. Yeah, uh, Bill is saying that his Huntsville Hamfest balloon hit the, a storm from Hurricane Hillary last night, landed in a field in Vernal, Utah, took off again for a short flight into another field. So I guess it's down. Well. It went to Utah. It's going the wrong way. Yeah, it was going backwards. Yeah, going the wrong way, man. Just the hurricane was sucking it in. I guess it. I guess it probably was there. All right. Oh, let's see. Let's, let me see if I can figure out how to do this. Uh, hmm, I think I can do it. So. All right. So hey, here's uh, here's the front door open. Uh, I'm guessing, I think the attendance is up with somewhere around 5,000. A lot of people were there. In yeah, fact, I think uh, they said it was, it, it looked to be a record attendance. It was quite, quite good. Yeah, yeah. I and think Don, that, yes, I made, made several purchases. I spent a, a good amount of money. Oh, he spent a lot of money. You know, I didn't even buy any heat shrink tubing. I didn't buy anything because I didn't really have time to look around. Okay, let's look at the, let's look at some pictures. Hey guys, uh, so hey, this is what our booth looked like unset up. You know, we're we're not moved in yet. I went in the uh, I went in the facility uh, the day before setup and uh, just to make sure everything was kind of coming together and 
uh, we had a nice booth there, right next to the stage, right next to the door there, uh, double double wide, and that uh, worked out uh, very well for us. If you want to, if you if you really uh, uh, want to look at the size of this place, I've got some pictures here with an empty. I mean, these are pictures made in different directions there, but there is a lot of space uh, in this facility there. Yeah. But it fills up in a hurry. Space, lots of space, man. Uh, the the red backgrounds. Uh, the red backgrounds are for the vendors, you know, like uh, ICOM and MFJ and uh, Flex people like that. And the flea market boneyard is back behind here, and it was quite large actually. Uh, I think I've got some pictures of that area here in a minute. So you can see, uh, you can see these the people there are just sitting. Uh, that's Art there, Art with the with the notepad there, and he has discovered that where he's standing, there should be about 20 more red booths that did not get set up. So uh, he had to uh, he had to get on the convention center there and uh, get them to get those booths in because there would be unhappy vendors the next morning if they weren't there. Uh, here's some of the, uh, this is behind the vendor, the, uh, the, uh, you know, commercial vendors. This is some of the tables back there. It's, it's quite deep that way. And it also goes quite a distance back the other way. Uh, very nice layout, the way they, uh, lay the tables out. They had really nice wide aisles, which was really good. Here's the people coming in. People coming in the uh, the front door there, right by our booth. And I'm happy to say that I don't know of anyone that came by and stopped at our desk to fill out their to fill out their tickets. No, they had a table a little closer well, to the drum. They did, and that that's good. But uh, that took everybody yeah, away. Know, these people probably didn't know that when they came in, you know. Yeah, well, but, no, no, I was I was there to run them off and send okay, them over to well, the I, table. I, something must have. Yeah. Uh, hey, here's a, here's a couple of friends I met. I met them a couple of years ago. Uh, this is the OMIK Amateur Radio Association. And uh, uh, the guy in a purple, famous man, let me tell you why. His call is K1UB. And when I met him, man, we just, we really we got to liking each other because, you know, have a call with KUB in it, that's just, that's just yeah, the that's perfect ham. That's the perfect ham call. So uh, that's Frank uh, K1UB there and Jeff uh, N4JDU, uh, I think. And I, I don't know where my other buddy was, Grady. I think it was Grady's his name. He, he was there, but he didn't show up in a picture. So anyway, the uh, OMIK, uh, was formed to uh, uh, it, it's a it was formed as a, a black amateur radio association to help help them uh, you know get notoriety and, and help them do other things and the OMIK uh, name came from uh, uh, the founding people in it and that was Ohio Michigan Indiana and Kentucky so I don't know they've got a they've, they've, they're worldwide now and probably in every state so. I don't know if they want to add a whole bunch of more letters to their name or if they're just going to leave it uh, OMIK. But uh, they were established in 1952, so, man, it goes back, uh, that goes back about, 
60, almost 70 years, man. That goes way on back, man. Anyway, they they were a fun fun group of guys, man. And uh, I, I looked up uh, K1UB on uh, QRZ earlier, and he was a colonel in the Army. He spent several uh, tours in Vietnam and other places, uh, Ph.D., uh, master's, uh, bachelor's degree. Uh, he, he graduated, I think, with honors in all the military academies. I wish I'd had time to talk to him, but that's him in the purple shirt there. Oh, man. All right, let's see what else we got going here. There's yeah, another I think shot. that's one of the yeah, fun part about a ham fest. You get to see all your friends that you don't get to see, but once or twice a year. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. Hey, this is uh, this is down the uh, down one of the aisles here. You, you got ICOM on the left. You got uh, ARL on the right. Now, hey, I didn't see Ray Novak this year, but I understand from our Facebook group, uh, Ray was in Tokyo the day before the Huntsville Ham Fest. So. I, I, uh, I don't know if there's something going on or not. I saw a picture of him and Adrian, who does the de-expeditions. Maybe they've gone down that way to do a de-expedition or something. I, I have no idea. Somebody oh, probably, somebody probably knows they're in the chat room. Uh, Bud is saying he's still there. Yeah. So uh, they are RL Booth. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, there's a picture of our booth kind of sort of set up. And uh, According you know, to Bud, it's Ham Fair in Tokyo. Ham Fair, okay. Yeah. Gigaparts was there. They, they had a big uh, big tent set up. I, I think, love that truck. I think I took this picture before they uh, got everything set up. This picture was probably made on Thursday. Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, Bud said he's going to the Ham Fair in Tokyo. Okay. More pictures of uh, the uh, vendors. Oh man, hey, and you know what, Amatron, uh, Ameritron, man, they got, they, I tell you, their amps are just really beautiful inside. Yeah, I, they I, really I, are. I love looking at them, man. I mean, even if you don't turn it on, I would just take it out of the case, just to let people see it inside. I mean, they are, they're a work of art, really. Yeah. There's another shot of uh, some of the other amps. Yeah, I love uh, that they got the covers off. Down one of the aisles. Here's uh, here's Mick Sternick. Uh, he's he's the 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 main guy there for uh, NCG, which is the uh, uh, U.S. distributor for Comet. And we'll talk. I got another picture of him here in a minute. Uh, some of the uh, flea market. Not much to see close. I didn't get a close up there. Here's our friend uh, uh, Ron, Ron and Amy. Ron and Amy from um, Gold Medal Ideas. Uh, they donated some hats that we gave away as prizes. Yeah, they, they were busy all weekend. They, they were they were busy for sure. Uh, some inductors, cool stuff. If you like to build stuff. Another shot of some of the flea market. Some of the uh, used equipment for sale. Even got some old uh, antique stuff there. Pretty old, pretty old stuff. Yeah, they had some really gorgeous old gear there. Yeah. And uh, they, they, there was a lot of modern gear there for sale also. 
Yeah. And I think they had pretty decent prices on it, you know. They did. I love this prices. stuff right here. I mean, I you know, if I had room in my shack here, I would have bought me a KWM2 just to set up yeah. here. The KWM2s and all the other Collins, the, the transmitters, the receivers, and different things. I mean, uh, I just, uh, you know, hey, when I was in the Air Force, 1970, th this is the radios. These are the radios that we used in the KWM2. And, uh, man, I always wanted one. But uh, I just don't have room for one now. But uh, uh, oh man, and I'd have to think. Of, I'd have to to really wonder what I'd do if a tube goes out. Oh man, I guess I have to call Glenn and get his tube tester up. Well, here. actually, well, yeah, I get one of my tube testers. But yeah. actually, you know, they had a whole bunch of tubes there. Some almost looked like yeah. new old stock. Yeah, yeah. In uh, several of the booths, I mean, there was there was some gorgeous, <clears throat> gorgeous old stuff there. Yep. There's a, uh, F, what's that, FT-101 ZD? FT-101 Zebra Delta. I don't know if that's a good price or not, 300 bucks. What do you think, Clint? I would say that's an excellent price for that one. Yeah. That's one of the later 101s <clears throat> that was made. Yeah, yeah. Here's a... Uh, 940. A, a 940. Yeah, the prices there were quite good. Yeah, 650 on that. What do we got here? This little Yezu uh, FL... What's that? 2100B? Yeah, 2100B. 550. I looked at that one long and hard. That would be a nice amp for somebody yeah, right there. You know? I mean, they make a nice amp for sure. Yep, now, this guy, good. I just took one picture. This guy had about 30 or 40 running feet of meters. I mean, yeah. they went all the way around the booth. And uh, I, I wish I'd had time to go through these meters and and pick out some meters. Uh, I've got a box of various meters here, but um, I always like meters and need something different. And he said the average price on these were about $4 a piece, yeah. which is really reasonable, I think, for a meter like that, man. And he had just about every type of meter ever made there, so you could find what you needed for sure. And he told me he had a million more at home. He just didn't bring them all, you know. Yeah, not surprised. Uh, some Tektronic stuff. Yep, that gentleman's there every year. Yeah, it's pretty nice stuff. Pretty nice for Tektronic stuff. Yeah, that had to have been Thursday night, Friday night. Yeah, yeah. And the pictures you see, like Glenn's talking about, where you don't see a bunch of people in there, that I probably took that either before the door opened uh, or I took it the night before. Uh, I'm going to say the so. night before because that's got that night before feel to it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, hey, this is one of many people that had lots and lots of connectors, man. I don't know how these guys bring all these connectors to the show every every year. They got so many. Uh, yeah. I'd, I'd be tired trying to organize that stuff. <laughs> hey, well, what is it? This is a, uh, oh, this is an alpha. This is an yeah. alpha amp 88. It's a four digit, I think. Yeah, it's got a Heathkit amp right next to it. Yeah, yeah, it does. Or actually, I think that was an SB301 that was next to it. Yeah, yeah. Here's a lot of the people standing uh, in front of our booth here, uh, listening uh, for prize giveaways. Uh, from yeah, the there's stage. me. There's Brett. Oh, are you there? I, 
Yeah, I'm, you, I'm right there, there dead center. There's Brett. There's Brett. Me. Left, uh, bottom left is Brett. And there you, center, center bottom there. Yeah. I see you. I see you, man. Look at the people sitting down out there. They're tired of walking around, and they are. Uh, they're waiting for their name to be called, man. Uh, let me see. Let me check the chat room here real quick. Uh, the meter man. Yep. Tower Electronics. Okay. All right. Let's see what we got here. What else is coming up here? Uh, yeah. And Brett says he's oddly enough, he was the only person he saw with long sleeves there. And it's probably right because uh, Brett, it was a hundred degrees outside. Well, I tell you what, they I I had the short sleeve on. It was cool in here, pretty cool. You, you got cold, of, actually. Brett was probably the smarter one with yeah. the, the long sleeves. You know, you know, it was they were pumping some air into that place, man. Particularly Sunday. Sunday yeah. was cold. Now there's oh, yeah. there's Earl there in the center. Yep, yep. I'm trying to see. I'm looking for and long Brett. sleeves. Looking for long sleeves. Okay. Yeah, there's Brett in his long sleeves there. Yeah. Again, there's a, there's a stage uh, uh, next to us. Uh, the bathrooms were in between us. Uh, but yep. uh, we had a good and view. There, there, there's the real boss of the show right there. Oh, I didn't see her sitting there. Yep. I didn't see her. Okay, so, of course, going up there, coming back, we passed by uh, uh, the NASA Center there, and you can see the, what's that, the Saturn V, and... I don't know yeah, that's a Saturn V in the front and a 1B in the background. I yeah. was there on uh, Friday. I spent the day Friday touring the Space Center there, right there. Yeah, yeah. The cool thing is right out front, they've got an SR-71. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, let me see. i got a couple of group pictures here. Hey, here's the IWK. Now, the IWK goes back a long time. They've tried to recruit me from Dayton many, many years ago. We used to be next door to him. Now, uh, WZ1L, Bill, in the chat room, he's probably jumping up and down right now because he's a member of the IWOK. Everybody in the IWOK is a vice president. So That's right, yeah. yeah everybody's a vice president. So right there, um, we've got, uh, uh, we've got uh, Bob and John and Lou and, uh, and me. They came by and to say hello and... Uh, Let's see what I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure that Bill's probably going to jump in here right now. But anyway, it was good to see them. And let's see. Here we go. Here's a good picture of uh, 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 Mick Sternick, uh, the the U.S. guy for Comet. He's the distributor for Comet in the U.S. and he's the one that uh, we get that CAA 500 Mark II from. And he came by at noon on Sunday, and uh, we announced together the uh, winner uh, of that. And uh, we thank everybody for uh, for participating in that. You know, and I told Mick, I said, Mick, when we picked the winner, I said, man, I, I really felt sorry. I almost had a tear in my eye. I felt sorry for all the other people, you know, that didn't win. And Mick said, yeah, I know. He said, but... He said, you know, maybe we should give away 30 or 40 of them. And I said, yeah. There you and, go. And, and he said, no. Nah. He said, we can't do that. I, I had to fire myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Anyway, we, we appreciate it, uh, uh, Mick. Hey, here is, um, this is KK4IJR Kevin, and the IJR stands for I Just Reload. Now, let me tell you a little story about this guy. We launched uh, one of our Pico balloons, and it crashed in Georgia. And uh, we were running JT, I think JT9 on it to give us a very, very precise GPS location. And it, would, it gave us a location down to like, I think something like within 50 feet. And uh, it, it was, it transmitted after it actually, I think, hit the ground there. Or, well, it didn't hit the ground. We pulled up those coordinates on the, uh, on the Google map and it showed the tracker crashed on top of a, a school, a school in Georgia. I contacted the school principal and, and uh, uh, Kevin here got involved and went out to the school. And they went up on the roof and in the gutter, in the gutter of that roof, they found our tracker. So our positioning was very, very accurate on that. I just reload is his, is the the letters in his call KK4 IJR. Uh, all he does all day is loads ammunition. Now I don't know if it's just commercial ammunition to be sold, or if it's for the military, uh, but uh, he loads a lot of massive big ammunition all day, and uh, that's what uh, that's what Kevin Kevin does. All right now, let's let's see what's in the chat room here. WD4 IOL says he's going to make plans to go down to, down to uh, Huntsville next year, and in the Space Center. That'd be cool. Yeah, I tend to do the Space Center on Friday before on my way over, and um, that way, you know, I, I get it on. It's on the way in for me, and by the time I finish the Space Center. It's check-in time at the hotel, so I can just go there and hit the hotel, get some dinner, and then go to the hospitality suite and just have some fun. Yeah, yeah. They had a really nice hospitality suite going Friday and Saturday night. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, that was pretty good. We, uh, Hey, man, we didn't have to buy our, buy our, buy our dinner. Uh, they yeah, had, they yeah. had honey baked ham up here that they brought over from lunch, and... Uh, we had drinks that, and honey baked ham and all that kind of good stuff uh, that was, at the hospitality that was quite center. Good. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And I don't care what anybody says. I did not dance on the table. And you don't have any video, so prove it. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, KN4HGI made a comment here, and I have not thought about this. Uh, he, he thanked us for the coverage, and he said uh, he agrees that we needed some, some help, especially in the social media support off-site, just to stay up with the comments and to drive more views. You know, if we had a few people working Twitter and Facebook live during the show, I bet you we could have probably doubled or tripled uh, the number of people that, that actually watched the show. Hadn't thought about that. That's a, that's a good idea maybe for next year. Yeah. So we'll do that, and uh, thanks so much for that idea there. Uh, guys, it's difficult to keep a stream uh, interesting. You can't walk around the whole time, and uh, uh, 
you just it's just it's just impossible to do. We had uh, we had help. We had Earl. We had uh, Brett, and uh, and and of course Glenn. And besides them getting on the microphone and doing some talking and some interviewing, uh, we did get some recorded walkarounds. We've tried doing live walkarounds, but uh, we w our signal starts buffering and we start losing the signal in there. We could probably do something better, but uh, you know it works out okay to. Uh, uh, just do a quick recording, bring it back, plug it in, and let you see it. You know, it's it's not exactly live, but it may be 30 minutes uh, 30 minutes delayed. All right, so that was Kevin. And here's here's some of the uh, some of the the gang that uh, was there with us. We got I don't know who that first guy is there. Um, oh, I don't know. I mean, that was us playing musical chairs to figure out who was going to be at the end it, of the. That kind of looks like you, Glenn, and then the. Uh, yeah, Bill. that's me, and then yeah. Bill. Then Bill Brown there. We got Earl there, and then we got me there. So, that's kind of, that's kind of the, uh, the, the team right there. And Brett, he didn't get in that picture, but he was in one of the other pictures. We thank you too, Brett, for uh, helping out there, man. Yeah, that oh, was man. fun. Okay, we had a good time. All right, so, okay. I was just happy that we were able to record my uh, yeah. seminar this time around, my forum. Yeah, you know, I, I looked at it, I watched it today. Uh, was it dark in there? The picture's a little grainy. I mean, the audio's yes, fine. It, it was dark, and the projector was a little bit washed out. Yeah. And I was wearing a black shirt so that you couldn't see me. I was doing the ninja thing. Well, but you know, you come through okay. Your your uh, your talk comes through okay, and we 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 definitely see it. So, so, but it was a little grainy, and I'm not sure how close the camera was, and maybe it was zooming. I don't I don't know, but well, again, it was a dark room, yeah. and uh, the projector really just didn't have the oomph. It was it was needing oh, a yeah. new bolt. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we got it. You know, what's more important to me is that you get the running commentary with the the forum. Yep. And uh, so and and again, this was one of those I took a chance on the type of forum I did. And I was actually very surprised that I had actually guessed that most of the people attending my forum this year would be new because uh, I had targeted this year's forum to go for the newer folks. And I got really lucky and I was real happy with the way everything turned out. Yeah, and Earl was saying that he turned up the lights all he could, but that was just all we had. There was nothing left. Yeah, I'm trying to read through the comments here in the chat room real quick. Uh, somebody wants to know about the sticky, sticky ticky. I'll mention that in just a minute. Let's see. Uh, you mean the stuff you put on your tickets to win? Uh, hey, an on-site program director would be good. You know, it's it's hard to produce, direct, be the talent, like you said, all at once. You know, it just, you know, we do the best we can, guys. And uh, we're, hey, the word is amateur. We are amateurs, of course. We're not professionals at this. Uh, <laughs> let's see. I think we're barely amateurs Well, you're welcome. Uh, I'm, I'm so glad that Brett made it down here. Let's see. Yeah, that was fun having Brett along. And Earl, yeah. it wasn't Earl. It wasn't your fault that the video was grainy. You know, it just no. uh, that's just the way it, it. That's just the way it, it falls sometimes. Yeah, yep, yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. 
Uh, KN4HGI is talking about the RARS Fest in Raleigh, North Carolina next spring. Can you give me a date on that? Because that would be something interesting to go see. I'm up for the drive. Do y'all have forums and stuff there? Put me down for a forum. All right, sticky ticky. You want to know about the sticky ticky? Well, let me tell you guys. We get the, uh, they feed us vendors. They, we, they consider us a vendor. The honey baked ham. Oh, man, that was just good stuff. <sighs> the honey baked ham for lunch, and they got drinks, and we go in and get all the drinks we want whenever we want them. But, uh, yep. The, the, there's their honey mustard. It comes in a little package, you tear it open, and you put it on that honey baked ham sandwich. That stuff is stickier than wallpaper paste, man. I mean, uh-huh. hey, it is stickier. It is stickier than than 3M adhesive you buy at 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 Home Depot. Like you spray it on there and leave it on there about 30 seconds, then you touch it. Oh man, it it becomes yeah, it's tacky. stickier than duct tape and super glue all put that, together. That's right. So so you know we've got packs of the honey baked mustard and what i tell everybody they how do you win these things i say well i take that honey baked mustard and i squirt it and i put it on my tickets i put them in there and that way when they stick their hand in a barrel and they pull it out i've got eight or nine tickets that are you know just all stuck all over their arms you know they can just take whichever one they yeah, want and so. that's why he won seven prizes he did it all yeah. on one grab but you know you know you would think if I won seven prizes on Saturday, I should have won seven prizes on Sunday. I, no, but you you won one or two on Sunday. Now I don't won get two. greedy. I won two, but don't get greedy. You no, won no. I'm on just Saturday saying, you know. Hey, look at the statistics. Look at the statistics. Uh, let's the not talk statistics. If you pull seven tickets out as a winner on Saturday, and and you know you should pull seven out on Sunday. Do you know how many tickets were in that barrel, Tom? I don't know how many. I would say there's probably on the order of 20,000 tickets in that barrel. Now, granted, 10,000 yeah. 10, were yours. Well, you, know, you're, you're, you still have 10 other thousand tickets that they're drawing. So, hey, look. I, I mean, hey, I was, I, was 50%, I was 50% of the 20,000 oh, tickets. There's no so, doubt of that. You know, I mean, I, I should have got called at least 50% of the time. Between you and Joe, yeah. You know, you guys have that thing full. There's no room for me to put my tickets in. Well, there was plenty of room. In fact, <laughs> uh, in fact, they think it may be a uh, this may be a record crowd. I, there may have been a lot more tickets yeah. in here this year. I really think you it know was what a record probably crowd. happened. There was probably a lot more tickets added Saturday afternoon or Sunday. And yeah, that, that I made saw the somebody. Add, I saw vendor worse. adding a lot of tickets yeah, on that Sunday. Yeah, that made the odds. That made the odds worse there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. Hey, you know, so, hey, you know, I hey, I want to mention a winner. Somebody's so lucky. WB8 ELK. Bill. Yeah. Hey, I know that guy. Let me tell you something. You know, Bill was on our show here one night, and we had the RS. What is uh, uh, S, S, what is it? SDR play? Yes. Is that what is? It? I don't mess SDR them up. SDR play. SDR yes. SDR play people, and talking about their their uh, SDR receiver. This is a great receiver. And uh, Bill Brown, he said, man, I want one of those. I'm going to order one. Well, obviously he didn't order it. But we gave away an SDR play, uh, I guess, Saturday. And Hambot 
called a person's name, and he didn't he didn't claim it. A Hambot called a second person, no claim. Hambot called a third person, no claim. And about then, Bill Brown gets on his phone. He logs on a chat room in the booth. He logs on to the chat room, and number four, Hambot calls WBAELK, and he won that SDR play. Yeah. Oh, man, that was funny. You can't do it any better than that, Bill. That was funny, That was funny. That's real cool. All right. So, uh, hey, let's take a quick break. We'll be back, and Glenn, you can tell us about what you're going to talk about uh, the next half of the show, and we'll be right back, guys, in about one minute here. Got cabin fever? Look no further. Spring is in the air, and ICOM has just what you're looking for. We have top quality base stations, mobiles, and handhelds that are perfect for working your favorite bands. ICOM's newest amateur FM transceiver is the IC V3500. With a compact body and simple interface, this radio is a must for those looking for a long-range mobile with a fresh look. The ICT-10 is a rugged portable that meets or exceeds standard military testing. With an IP67 waterproof rating, the ICT-10 can withstand any field activities ahead. Hear transmissions and listen to FM broadcasts with the loud 1500 milliwatt speaker. The IC7300 is a high-performance, innovative HF transceiver with a compact design that will far exceed your expectations. This innovative HF transceiver digitizes RF before various transceiver stages, reducing inherent noise in different IF stages. The IC7300 changes the way entry-level HF is designed. Visit www.icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information on ICOM radios. All right, and we are back. Uh, hey, let me just make one more, two, two announcements, really. Uh, guys, uh, we haven't notified the vendors yet. Yesterday, I crashed and burned, basically, when I got back, and I was really, really sleepy today, and... You know, I had a lot of stuff to unpack and cables to sort out and stuff like that. So give us about three or four days. We'll notify all the vendors that you won the prize. We'll copy you on the email to them. And they're pretty good about sending stuff out really quick. So I would imagine you'd have your prize probably in the next 10 days. So don't worry too much about it. The prizes don't come to me. Uh, I don't want them here. Uh, I don't want to have to ship them, mess with them. And you'd get it faster if I if I didn't. All right, just real quick. Uh, hey, uh, if you're listening out there in WBCQ 7490 on shortwave, this is Amateur Radio Roundtable, a show about ham radio, electronics, and other things. Uh, send me an email to tom at w5kub.com. Let us know where in the world you are and how you're hearing the station. And if you will, all you guys tuned in on... Uh, uh, the YouTube uh, broadcast, if you will, uh, hit the subscribe button. Subscribe button, and it's right there. I'm pointing at it. I'm pointing at it right there. Hit that subscribe button, and uh, that will greatly help us. Hit the hit the uh, subscribe. Hit the notify button. Hit the like button. Hit all, hit all the buttons on there if you want to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just hit them all. Just hit them all. Just hit them all on there, man. Just don't hit the delete button. Oh, uh, let's see what else. Uh, 
Join our Facebook group. It's called W5KUB. We've got 14,000 hams in that group now, hams and shortwave listeners. Um, you can listen to our show anytime on just about any podcast. We're on iTunes. We're on iNet Radio. We're on all the podcast carriers. You can listen all the time. Our, our audio version of our show is on two hours on Thursday. Thursdays from 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time on WBCQ 7490. And, of course, our, our video show is live on Tuesday nights, uh, 8 o'clock p.m. Uh, Central Time, uh, with a chat room where you can actually talk with us here. All right, so uh, we did get Glenn's rec- um, uh, form recorded here, thanks to uh, Earl. So, hey, uh, before I, I click it on here, Glenn, what you can give us a little uh, lead-in to it. Well, um, as I mentioned earlier, this year... Um, I just had a feeling that I needed to kind of fall back and rather than stay at the high end with the more advanced stuff, this year I kind of decided to fall back to basics. And it kind of is a crossover forum more than anything else in that um, the building techniques have changed through the years. And the techniques that I use to build with the Arduino are not the techniques that you would use to build a radio kit, for example, or the uh, the different types of uh, point-to-point type wiring that you do, the Manhattan style, the, uh, the dead bug style. And I wanted to show you the standardized methods and techniques along with the parts and the components and how everything fits together so that you would have an idea on how to build Arduino projects. And so that's why we went with the forum we did this year. And the first question I asked when we opened was how many are here for the first time? And most of the room raised their hands. There was one old guy in the center of the back that mentioned something about tubes. Um, The call was uh, ELK, I think. But, um, you know, you know, he had a 1962 handbook. So I think I sent him down to get a newer one, but, um, most of the people attending there had never been to an Arduino forum before. So I really lucked out uh, with doing this one the way uh, I did with going back to basics. And I think it came out really, really well. And I was real happy with the way it turned out. And I thank Earl for recording it for me. All right. And I've got so many camera shots and stuff on here. I'm looking for it right now. I've only put it on here (laughs) twice tonight. I will find it. Guys, you have to bear with me. Mm. But, yeah, I mean, it was was just so fun. I mean, and next year's forum has already been decided. It has a working title of Close Encounters of the Microcontroller Kind. Let your mind go crazy because that's where that forum is going to go. And I am planning a complete audio-visual set of projects to demonstrate in that forum. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. All right. So Glenn, there it is. There you go. You found it. I found it. All right. So you really let it go. Let it go. All right, guys, this is uh, the, the forum at uh, Huntsville Ham Fest with Glenn. Yeah. Yes, we did a building with microcontrollers for headquarters. 
and you'll be reading about that in QST as soon as I write it because he hit me up to write that yesterday afternoon. Glenn, your, <laughs> your mic's going to be hot on top of this if you want to say anything. <laughs> Dave asked me that at breakfast this morning. <laughs> so um, we got about two minutes to go here. Hey, we are going to have enough chairs. That's that's a first. Yeah. Um, send me an email. Uh, I can probably put it up on uh, Google Drive for you. Uh, I can give it to you. Yeah, I don't mind giving this one out. You know, I don't like you seeing it ahead of time. Because I, I do my best to throw a lot of stuff in that you haven't seen before. Uh, that's part of the fun with Arduino with me is I like to go where other people haven't gone. Uh, I, I like to demystify some of the stuff. Because, as you know, some of it just isn't well documented. And it's, I've taken it my task to filter through all that and come up with stuff that works. Oh, my God, Bill's bringing us a balloon. Do I get to give that away? Yeah. Cool. All right, you probably want to go ahead and start recording there, Carl. Earl? Okay. See if anybody's going to come in and or wait for Bill to leave, one of the two. He starts laughing and we can't get stuff done. Yeah. And that, the laughing's okay, but if he points at me and laughs, that's when the problem starts. It's very embarrassing, yeah. Um, anyway, um, like I said, this year I've decided to fall back a little bit and let some of those that have fallen by the wayside over the last five, six years and I hate talking above people. I like to, to come at the level of my audience. And so this year, I'm going to ask the people that are up there in the Arduino world to, to step back down with me a little bit. Let's kind of start over, look at the beginning, and you might learn some new techniques, new ideas. This is how I build projects, how I create projects. And these are methods that have really helped me uh, build my Arduino projects. And you know, as you've seen, most of them are, you know, photographed and printed in the books. So I'm real proud of them. They're, they're easy to do. And so you're going to find a couple really cool techniques coming out of this. And as I mentioned here, I am the author of ARRL's Arduino for Ham radio series. Um, we'll talk about this in a bit, but there is a new book coming out from ARRL sometime this fall. It's going to the editing stage right now, hopefully for Christmas. And I'm finishing up a book for a lector publishing over in Europe that should be out for Christmas time. We're going to do rush editing on that. So I'm expecting it to be the Christmas market as well. So you've got two Christmas presents you can ask for. Uh, I am a very soon-to-be-retired network engineer. I know you heard this last year. It's coming sooner. <laughs> I am now down to two days a week in the office and trying to get one day a week. Um, but yeah, the plan is hopefully I'll be retiring very soon. I actually got into ham radio when I was 15, 1973, in high school. And I've been there ever since. I started out with the Heath Kid and all of that cool stuff. And uh, it's just been a fun, fun ride. I'm also the author of ARRLs, and uh, I also do QST reviews and articles. And as we mentioned, I'm going to be having an article in QST here very soon. Again, hopefully, probably November, December issue. And uh, that's going to be a really cool project. I might tell you a little bit about it. And as you know, I show Maine Coon cats. This one is Godzilla for obvious reasons. 
Uh, you'll see her little sister here, and I call her the little one. But when you're dealing with Godzilla, anything smaller is kind of relative. Her name is Rodan. Uh-oh. Did I screw up? <coughs> I'll kick this out of the slideshow. They wanted to be. Actually, they got mad when I loaded up the car without them. They really did. But, yeah, there they are. Um, this is why it takes me so long to build things. Godzilla is laying on my enclosures. Um, this is Rodan, uh, also known as Shadow. Uh, if you notice, if you want those scissors, there will be a price to pay. If you want the soldering iron, there is a price to pay. The claws are sharp. Um, this is, I have to work around this constantly. It doesn't matter which part of the desk I move to, one or the other is on it. And now, let's get into this. And today, I'm going to answer that one question that you've always asked. And no, the answer is not 42. I've got a microcontroller, now what? How many times have we asked ourselves that question? What do I do next? Where do I go with this? What do I want to build? How do I build it? How do I start? Well, up until now, this has actually been one of the number one questions I get. How do I start? What do I need to get? So we're going to talk about that today. And my answer has typically been, and those of you that have seen, how many have not seen this forum before? Wow. Oh, I got a bunch of new ones. Bill, they're all new. Lock the doors. Um, but um, up until this point, my response has been, think something up and go build it. It's that easy. And the reality it is. But at the same time, and that's not fair to you because you don't even know where to start. You're, you're new and you're kind of lost. I was joking about closing the door. But, um, with the demise of places like Radio Shack, our schools aren't teaching the STEM electronics and electricity kind of classes anymore. They're not even teaching deductive reasoning and logical thinking anymore. So where do we go to learn what we need to build? And who knows the answer to this? There's only one place I have found, ham radio. At a ham fest, you will find forums, you will find parts, you will find people, you will find friends, you will find mentors that will help you get there. But only in ham radio. So the answer is ham radio. But what parts and tools are you going to need to start building these microcontrollers? And notice I've switched off from Arduino to microcontroller. That world has become so blurred that Arduino has become the general purpose word for it. But they're really microcontrollers. And the languages are expanding beyond the basic Arduino, C and C++, to Python and other languages. So I'm, from here on out, I'm going to be using the term microcontroller. And don't be afraid of this. Along with learning the microcontrollers themselves, you're going to need to learn some basic electronics. We don't teach that anymore either. 
And so there are websites with tutorials on them that are absolutely fabulous. SparkFun, Adafruit, other websites. The ARRL Handbook, and there are copies of it for sale downstairs at Chat Radio this morning. They all have great tutorials on how to learn basic electronics. Once you understand the basic roles of our components, then you can learn how to use them to create your projects. That's a gap that I had been missing for these last five years, and I apologize, is making that gap to how do I use these components. I just made the assumption that you knew. That's my bad. But don't be afraid of doing something wrong. Many of these components are very tolerant. It's, it's going to be hard to blow this stuff up at 5 volts. You're really not going to hurt yourself. So don't be afraid, and if you do, you just cost yourself three bucks in a microcontroller. You know, I have a drawer full of them. When I open the drawer, they all push one forward and say, he's next. So, and then when you get your parts, grow as you go. You don't need to buy everything. Start out small. Get like an Uno or a Nano or a couple of both, and buy some basic components. Uh, you can get on eBay, and there are some basic component uh, assortments you can get. Those are fine to initially start out. You'll rapidly find that you use only a handful of those components, but they're okay. They're not expensive. One important thing, parts is parts. Some people go to Jameco and some of these other high-priced suppliers. Why? A resistor is a resistor is a resistor. You can get a hundred of them for a dollar from eBay and free shipping. Why do you want to pay 10 bucks for the same thing? So I get 90% of my parts from eBay, AliExpress, Banggood.com, all of these online suppliers. And you can get a bunch at a very low price. And I haven't had a lot of issues. And as you can tell, Harbor Freight is one of my favorite places. Uh, as with any hobby, you can spend a little or you can spend a lot. It's your choice. Do you want to buy that little inexpensive rig or are you going to go all out and buy everything ICOM's got on the shelf? But you don't need the best of everything to do a microcontroller project. In fact, you don't even need everything. It's one of those, I want this, you know, but you don't have to have. You can work around. There are plenty of ways around it. And as your skills progress using these tools, you're going to find the gaps in your tool set. You're going to find that you need more 9mm sockets than the one because it's going to walk away on you every time. But uh, the big thing is, get you a multimeter. The ones at Harbor Freight are actually fabulous, and they're free sometimes with their coupons. Um, but there are some more tools that you're going to want. This is number one. You're going to want a solder reworking station. And I say rework because you have the hot air gun and the soldering iron, temperature controlled, airflow controlled. This is going to be your go-to tool. You can solder, you can do service mount if you ever go there. I don't. You should see my service mount abominations. But um, for heat shrink tubing, nothing beats that heat gun. So again, that's going to be your go-to tool. And I would say, this is just a $50 one from AliExpress. So you can get good quality ones. They may not be the wellers and all of this, but they will get the job done and they will do fine. And actually, these tips are replaceable, and you get tips like 10 for 10 bucks. So again, you can you know, grow as you go. And you're actually in luck here this weekend. 
Her? Uh, not so much. But um, <laughs> if it smells like chicken, you have a problem. If it's happening not in the kitchen, you have a problem. In my case, if it smells like fur, there's a real problem. But uh, there's a forum on learning how to solder here tomorrow morning. Uh, it's called Adult Soldering 101 in Forum Room 2 downstairs next to the, the ham fest uh, at 10 o'clock. You do have to sign up for this event, but if you're going to be here tomorrow, I highly recommend seeing if you can still get in. That's a great place to learn how to start soldering. Next tool you're going to want as you move up the chain, you're going to want an oscilloscope. This is probably my primary tool for troubleshooting things when a voltmeter won't do it. I've got a little digital storage scope, looks just like this one. And actually you can get them off of Amazon for like 180 bucks. So they're not very expensive. Downstairs, there's always a vendor selling the older style analog oscilloscopes for 100, 150 bucks. So take your pick. Um, but I do recommend at some point, not today, not tomorrow, not as you start out, but as you grow, you're probably going to want to move up. Um, and like I say, you can always find one at a ham fest. Next step is a logic analyzer, and I would actually put this ahead of an oscilloscope. Because when you're dealing with microcontrollers, 90% of the time you're dealing with digital signals. So why not get a quote-unquote digital oscilloscope, which is what a logic analyzer does. Logic analyzer, in this case, you can have 16 channels you can monitor simultaneously. It connects to your PC, so the display is actually on, the, on your PC. And you can show 16 signals and the timing relationships between all of those. And they start at 45 bucks on AliExpress. So again, we're not spending a lot of money. This is what I'm talking about in terms of the display. You can now see all of the timing relationships between all the various channels. So now you can say, why is this not turning on? Is it even turning on? What time? Things of this nature. So you can actually see everything at a glance, just like an oscilloscope does for the analog signals. As you move forward, you're going to want a development system. Yes, sir. Uh, what kind of frequency range do you recommend for the scope and also for the analog? Mine is a 200 meg. 100 meg is fine for what we do. Even 10 meg would cover 90% of what we do. But I would start with a 100 meg scope. Uh, the logic analyzer, um, mine did 100. Uh, 50 megahertz would be fine. Um, next step would be the breadboard system so that you can actually build your prototypes. But if you've used a breadboard, you're going to have to mount it to something. Of course, I have things that tend to push everything to the floor, so I can't trust that my wires are going to stay in place. I usually find them down the hall in a little trail. And so, um, you know, it's you, you get yourself a some kind of a development platform. There, are, I'm going to show you a couple here. This is known as the phase dock workbench. What I like is everything is on here in what they call a click and a slide. And you actually can mount your stuff on these clicks. And they actually plug into these little holes. So you can pop stuff off and pop stuff in. So you can design your platform for what you're planning to build today. This was actually the simulator for my AR40 rotator project. And I actually simulated it on this board took that, put it into a box, and that became the, the project you saw in the book. Uh, to me, this, this is a great way to start out. This is only like 50, 60 bucks. 
And it also comes with a plastic cover, and so now I don't have wires running down the hall. Um, this, is, this is the top end. My first one was a wooden board that I bolted a breadboard to and bolted an Uno to and jumpered from there. So again, you can start high or you can start low, whatever suits you, and move up. My goal is to not make you spend money. That's, that's my goal. I, you know, it's more, you know, that way you can go, you know, take yourself out to dinner, order in pizza and stuff, rather than spend it on your hobby. As you move up, or even as you start out, uh, Dr. Duino has some excellent development platforms, so you don't even need to go the prototyping and breadboard route. Uh, the top one is their Pioneer, and uh, this has an Arduino Uno, and it's literally a shield that mounts on top of the Arduino Uno, and it's got several basic components. It's got LEDs, it's got a buzzer, it's got a, 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 a LED light strip, the addressable LEDs, it's got potentiometers, it's got push-button switches, and so this gives you everything, and even an ultrasonic range sensor. This gives you everything you need to start out with the Arduino and build your basic project. Start prototyping. Get familiar with the IDE. Get familiar with the whole process. And that's only like 60 bucks. The Explorer is the next level up. It gives you a little breadboard area and a soldering area if you really want to. The addressable LEDs, push buttons, a little bit more. It's actually got a little uh, power converter there and... It's got an organic LED display. So now you can move up and again, you got everything in one place. So it, you don't have to worry about it. Um, then at the very bottom, as we went to last year, this is based on the ESP32. So as you move up and need more horsepower, there's an ESP32 development platform just waiting for you. So there's your, there's your progression path up. I really love to see kids get the Pioneer and start out with that because you're not going to have wires and stuff scattered all over the place. It's just going to be one thing, pick it up, put it away. When you want to work with it, put it back on the table. Next step, you're going to need to learn how to read a schematic, and that really doesn't show well here. But uh, almost all electronic projects you see, QST, the handbook, everywhere, they're done in a schematic diagram format. This is a standardized format that we've adapted through the years. It's nothing more than a symbolic representation of the components and connections you need to build your project. You can't really see it here, but for example, that's an op amp, and uh, that's a, a little uh, keypad, and that's actually the Arduino, and then up here, that's the touch tone encoder chip. And that literally is a 16-button touch tone encoder. Just a handful of wires. But um, there's our power coming in, protection diode, things like that. So this would be the entire circuit. SparkFun and Adafruit have excellent tutorials on their website to learn how to do this. Um, but once you start reading schematics, that will demystify a lot of this and you will feel much more comfortable learning how to do this stuff. Um, there's also a number of websites. YouTube is a great place to find videos to teach on this. Um, so those, those places are my go-to. And uh, also, again, the ARRL handbook. How many here have a handbook? Okay, you're halfway there. There are whole sections of the handbook on how to learn how to do this. You know, how many of you opened your handbook? Okay. <laughs> um, you will have to translate between the tubes and the transistors, but yeah, it will help.
come from the same era. And as I mentioned earlier, parts are parts. It doesn't really matter where you get them from. We are not mil spec. We are not the end of the world if this part goes bad. I have been ordering my parts online through eBay for years and years and years. I have probably propped up the Chinese economy all by myself. But the number of components I've gotten that are bad or incorrect, virtually zero. So don't spend money you don't have to. I get it from eBay, Amazon, AliExpress, Banggood. Those are your number one places. And they also, most of them include free or online shipping or free or uh, low cost shipping. So again, um, some place to think about. Now, when, when I do buy parts, I tend to buy yes, from we did a special Arduino product. Uh, generally, I don't need to get anything from Jamco or DigiKey, but I will go there if I have to. But predominantly, uh, DF Robot, Adafruit, and SparkFun. You're going to want some basic components as well. How do you interface your project to the outside world? Um, at the back of the room, I have a printed sheet listing a list of parts that I recommend for you to start out with and grow. These are the parts that I tend to live with. Um, but uh, I also am going to show them to you here so that you can kind of get a quick overview, ask questions if you need to. You're going to need some resistors. Uh, these are the values, 220, 330, 470, 1K, uh, 2.2K, 4.7, 10, and 100. That's generally all I ever use or I figure out something close. You know, I probably have every value known to man. But uh, Similarly, it's the same with the caps. 0 0.1, 1, 10, 100, and 1,000. And get them 25 volts or higher. That way, anything Arduino-wise, you're not going to hurt yourself. If you're running 12 volt power, again, you're safe. Even if it goes up to 14 or 16 volts, you're safe. So get yourself 25 volt caps because if you use lower voltage caps than they're rated and hit them with a higher voltage, they will explode. And they do make a nice mess. They also knock cats off the table when they're not expecting the bang. <laughs> it's amazing how high a cat can jump from a laying position. Um, also, you're going to want rectifiers, diodes. I get. A, I typically use the 1N4004. This is a 50-volt diode. Not rectifiers, diodes. I get. A, I typically use the 1N4004. This is a 50-volt diode, one amp. Uh, for my small signals, I use the 1N4148. This is the upgrade from the old 1N914 that we know and love our entire lives. Uh, I get a shot key because mainly they have a lower voltage drop. So for like receive audio and stuff like this, it gives me that little extra bit of signal, um, the one in 5711. And then, of course, you'll need a Zener diode typically to clamp any voltages so they don't exceed the 5-volt limitation on the input. Uh, 4.7 volts is what I use. Don't need them often, but if you're bringing in audio from a rig, you don't want it to be over 5 volts. Um, for transistors, I typically use my transistors only for switching. I'll use an op amp if I need to amplify anything. So I use the 2N2222A and occasionally the 2N3904, but the 2222 is my number one go-to guy. Voltage regulators, um, 
particularly now that we're transitioning to the 3.3 volts, um, these onboard regulators on these microcontrollers typically only do 800 mils. As we're adding these LED strips and things to it, we're exceeding that. So you're probably going to want an external regulator, and you're probably going to want multiple voltages because, again, we're transitioning to 3.3, but a lot of stuff is still 5 volts. And, of course, 12 volts, you know, we're also going to want. So I get a 7805 for the 5 volts, 7812 for the 12 volts. Are we seeing a trend here? Um, and then the LD1117 for my 3.3 volts. Uh, for LEDs, you'll definitely want an assortment of LEDs. I mean, basic red gets boring after a while. So I tend to get red, green, yellow, the RGB ones. They have the blue ones. And yes, I tend to grab a handful of those, but I wasn't going to make you go buy them. Um, then you want to get the WS2812 type. These are the strips and sticks of addressable LEDs. Each LED is individually addressable and can be 65,000 different colors. They're pure RGB, very easy to use, very inexpensive. And there's a library for it, so you don't even know, have to know how to make it work. Uh, some of your other basic components, potentiometers. Again, I just use a couple of values, the 500 ohm, the 1K, and 10K. I get both the standard three-quarter turn pot and the 10-turn trim pots. I use the 10-turn trim pots for things like receive audio and audio output, things like that, where I want a little more precise control of the audio. Uh, get yourself some uh, SPST mini switches. I use these primarily for on-off or as a, a toggle switch to enable a function. Uh, some 5 and 12-volt relays. Get them standard and dip-read. I really love the little 5-volt dip-read relays. They're so small, fit on a circuit board, and they fit in a socket which we'll talk about here. Get yourself some DC power jacks and plugs. I also use power poles in this, this condition, so it depends on what enclosure you're using, etc. And get you some rotary encoders. You're going to find that rotary encoders are really fun to work with. TFT displays, thin film transistor. These are cheap. They're about three bucks a piece. Uh, I prefer these in most of my projects today, I get the 1.8 inch ST7735 types um, and uh, the 2.2 inch that are using the ILI9341 controller chip. And these are all mounted on the board, so you don't really need to know because you have your, your standard SPI interface pins. Uh, most of these TFTs run on 3.3 volts now, so you'll also want some level shifters. And that's this little guy here. Um, again, they are very handy. This way, they will actually bidirectionally shift between 3.3 and 5 volts. Most of your microcontrollers use 3.3, so you can use all your 5-volt stuff with this, and it will handle the bidirectional translation without any problem. No, no special work needed. You could do the resistive dividers, but that's just a royal pain. These are just much easier. And This is an, actually an 8-channel module, and I typically only use 5 channels. You've got some other displays. I also like the organic LED displays. They're extremely low power. And those of you that know me through the years, the LCD 5110, uh, the original Nokia type display has always been a very low power favorite. Uh, and they're cheap. And uh, for the time being, I'm recommending stay away from the e-ink displays. They are gorgeous, they are cool, they're pretty. But if you read the fine print, they tell you you cannot update this more than once every three minutes because it will harm it hardware-wise. The e-ink little bubbles inside will not transition. 
They don't like that. And they literally say that anything below once every three minute updates, it will die. So I'm staying away from the e-ink display, which is a shame because I think they're absolutely gorgeous. As far as modules you're going to want to get, this is again, as you progress. The AD9850 DDS module, this is a direct digital frequency synthesis module. Think about it as a DC to light VFO. Uh, it generates a clean sine wave from 0 to 40 megahertz. Um, the SI5351 clock module there on the bottom, it can generate them from 8 kilohertz to 150 megahertz, and it's got three separate independent outputs. So again, there's an, another really handy frequency generation tool. The only problem with the 5351, the output is a square wave. What happens when we feed a square wave into a transmitter? Noise, spurs, harmonics, trash, FCC banging on your door at 2 a.m. in the morning and the guys with the black SUVs showing up. So we need to filter and smooth that if we're going to use that. But it's a very powerful uh, module to have and use. Some more modules, and these are some new ones. The DF Robot Gravity Speech Synthesizer is just what it says. You send it the text, and it speaks it. It has multiple tonal and inflection options, male and female voices and things of that nature. It connects either using the I2C interface or a standard serial TTL interface. And that's controlled, I did it again. That's controlled by that little switch there. And it's got the onboard speaker as well as pins you can take that audio off the board. I've got this in several of my projects, and I'm really loving that synthesizer. Um, I didn't show all of the modules. There is a new module that just came out called the uh, Gesture Sensor, and it can determine, I believe it's 16 hand gestures. So imagine sitting back in your shack, and you want to turn your antenna, or you want to tune your radio, just give it the hand gesture. And it can, it can do that for you. I'm going to be experimenting with that real soon. Uh, but um, now we can, I will talk about this little project I've been hinting about here. Um, one of the things we're going to want to do with Bluetooth, the world is going Bluetooth and things of this nature, Wi-Fi, etc. And one of the biggest things I found with the Arduino is the Wi-Fi is just not documented, or the Bluetooth is not documented well at all. It's very difficult to figure out. It's actually very easy to use once you do figure these modules out. Um, but you will want to get some of the HCO5 modules. They're like four or five bucks a piece. They're, they're real cheap. Uh, they can be master and slave. So, you, you know, you just get two. You don't, you don't specify which type you get. So master talks to slave and vice versa. But master doesn't talk to master and slave doesn't talk to slave. So um, you want to get, you know, but they are programmable. So it doesn't matter. Just get the, the one type. I prefer the ZS040 type. They're the ones I figured out, and they're the easiest. Um, and as I said, they can be used as a master or a slave. What I think is cool, that's actually the antenna right there. But, uh, and then we're just going to talk about one more, and this is Bill's favorite module. This is the GPS module. They come in all sizes and shapes. This one allows you to have an external antenna. But when you think GPS, you think position information, altitude, maybe. Well, how many of us play with FT8, FT4, AT65? What's the one thing you need there if you're going to do portable operation? 
time, accurate time. Where are you going to get that if you're in the middle of nowhere and you've got a Timex watch? You know, what if you can't hear WWV? You're pretty much out of luck. Hit and miss. A GPS will provide you stratum one, stratum two time, highly accurate atomic clock level time, because that's how GPS works. So these GPSs will actually give you extremely accurate time. So much so that you can actually build an Arduino NTP time server, which actually I did in one of my books. So there's your accurate time source. So this GPS module is very handy for that. And some have the external antenna. Most do not. It's kind of a six of one, half dozen of the other. Of course, if you're at 40,000 feet with bills, you don't need an antenna. You can probably reach out and touch the satellite. But uh, some of the other modules, and I'm not going to detail them here because we could be here until noon listing them all out. Um, but as I get these, I purchase them on an as-needed basis. If I say, hey, I'm going to build a lightning detector, let me order a couple lightning detection modules, and I will go and find one. There's a real cheap one on eBay for like five, six bucks, their amount. So, uh, again, I go to SparkFun, Adafruit, eBay, AliExpress, Banggood. This is the one good thing over the evolution of the Arduino is it has now, this stuff's out there. It's easy to find. There are vendors that I saw downstairs that I'm going to be spending hours buying one of everything they've got. I mean, this is the first time I've seen some of this stuff at a ham fest. This is really good stuff downstairs. There's actually a gentleman that has a whole resistor, a, a series of the resistors down there in the uh, quarter watt size, which are fine. I tend to use the eighth watt, but quarter watts are just fine. Uh, for those of us with kind of bad hands and bad eyes, the eighth watt or the quarter watts are a little easier to work with. They're a little bit bigger. So those are fine. But this gentleman has them all bagged up in an assortment. And the prices are right. So if you need your resistors, he'd be a good one to go check out. Uh, and when I order one, I order, always order a second one. Why? One is usually a sacrificial lamb. <laughs> so got to have one in reserve. Or you build one and your friend says, hey, I want this. You don't want to have to wait a week or two or three for the parts to come in. So yeah, I'll build you one. Here, go. So I always keep a handful. And the, one, the parts I use the most, I tend to keep a rotating stock. Uh, you're also going to need some basic construction supplies as you build. Here's, here's the meat of this. What do you build on? Most of the building techniques to this point have been point-to-point -point wiring, the Manhattan style, the, the bug style, all of this. And I am just old school. Get you, darn it, I did it again. My fingers don't work. Get you this proto board type stuff. This is a 60 millimeter, 60 millimeter by 80 millimeter board. This fits just perfectly in the enclosures I'm going to show you here in a little bit. And you can see, I've got everything in sockets that I can get. We'll talk about that in a minute. And this, this spacing, by the way, is standard. It's 2.54 millimeters. And this is standard for the microcontroller, integrated circuits, most components, etc. So this is what I tend to build on. If I'm going to be building on an Uno that has that stackable shield, I'll use one of their prototyping shields, and I can build on it. When I wire it up, I use 30-gauge solid core wire wrap wire. Small, easy, reliable, easy to solder, and you can get in various colors. I like to, and this is, unfortunately, this is washed out, but I use blue 
for my non five volt power, 12 volt power typically. I use red for my five volts. White is signal. Black, of course, is ground. And then orange is my 3.3 volts. So at a glance, I can look at this board and know what power, what signal is where. And so it's real easy to do. I wouldn't mind getting a couple other colors as well. But that's a, to me, that's a good start. And it, and it really helps you win your project because you will be troubleshooting. You're always going to be a pin off on something. So I would strongly recommend getting this 30 gauge wire. Once you get used to working with it, it's really easy to work with. Um, and of course, everything I do goes in sockets. These are the, the 2.54 millimeter headers, the connector blocks. I build cables with them. And I can keep my fingers in the right place. I also, this is how I build my sockets, a nano will go there. I just take one of those headers, cut it down, and it becomes an IC socket. This is where the level shifter would go. This is where a signal comes in or off the board. So again, it's real easy to make these things so you can take them apart, move them around, and, and come back. So we're, you know, that's the basics on where I start to build. And you can get these in any size. You know, you can get them in six by eight inches or whatever, get down smaller sizes. And if I'm not mistaken, there will be a vendor down there that has these in stock. He's had them here in the past, and he's got several different sizes. So that, would, again, would be another good place to start. Talking about enclosures. You're going to want to put this stuff in a box when you're done. In my case, it's a necessity. I'd rather have the box knocked to the floor than something laying on the desk with wires on it. So when you plan your projects, think, am I going to put this in an enclosure? What type of enclosure am I going to put it in? And here's the cool thing. Let's see if I can get it out of my pocket without showing you everything else. Um, an Uno will actually fit in an Altoids tin. So that's, that's your smaller enclosures. You can go online on eBay and Google Arduino enclosures, and you can find all kinds. I really have fallen in love with these. These come from Solarbotics. They're about 12 or 13 bucks a piece. They are assembled um, glass or, you know, what do you want to call that? Uh, plexiglass cases. Um, this is the size of the Arduino Mega, which I'll explain here in a minute. But you also can see they have holes pre-cut for the USB connector and power. And, of course, you can drill your own, and I'll show you that too. Uh, they come in clear, black, dark blue, transparent blue, and transparent red. So you can get all colors. I like the clear ones because when I do the books, I want to take pictures. But you can get whatever works for you. And you can also go to Thingiverse. And they have tons of them that you can 3D print or find a friend, borrow his 3D printer, laser cutter, CNC. You can make them out of wood, whatever. But think about when you build something, it's probably going to want to be in a box. Particularly if you plan to market this thing, you're going to want to put it in a box. I don't want it to look good. Some finishing touches. This is why I live in Hobby Lobby. I discovered this there, and now it has become more mainstream. They have these inkjet or laser printable water-soluble labels. They call it water slide. Those of us that built 
plane and boat models and car models as kids, we know these decals. They now have them so that you can print them yourself. And uh, you print them with your 3D printer or your inkjet. Uh, with the inkjet, there's an extra step that you have to spray a sealer over it after because it, the ink will, will run in water. And this is an example of the inkjet version. You can see that the text, and this, you can actually, this is actually a logo on the side of a, a project. So you can print color the whole nine yards. So now you have really nice colored labels you can put on your finished projects. Take them up to that next level. And so now we've reached that final big question. What do you build? Where do I go? Now I've got all the tools. Now I know how to do it. What do I do? Well, the good thing is you don't have to listen to me. You don't have to buy my books. You don't have to do anything. Go online. Go to Adafruit, SparkFun, YouTube, anywhere. And they have free, easy beginning projects. There are even ham radio projects out there. Google ham radio projects. There are a ton of them. And they're all free. So start out there. Get comfortable with the stuff on Adafruit and SparkFun. Build the small stuff. Blink the lights. Get used to this stuff. And get your confidence up. And then go for the big stuff. That's when you buy my books. Hey, I got to eat too, okay? <laughs> Actually, believe it or not, there's not much money to be made in writing books. It's I enjoy teaching. I enjoy passing my knowledge on to you. I enjoy the demystifying of it. That's my reward for all of this. And yes, you do help me pay for my hobby. You know, so, yeah. You're feeding an addict. And the cats. And the cats. God, yes. It's like having two miniature Shetland ponies in every possible way. Um, all right, we're going to quickly review our interface methods for this because this is something you're going to want as you start building. How do I interface to the parts and modules I want to use? In addition to our analog and digital I.O. pins, and I better pick up the pace here, um, you're going to want um, the bus type protocols, the I squared C bus. A lot of these modules interface, as you saw with the speech synthesizer. This is a two-wire interface bus plus power and ground, so four wires. And it's industry standard. A lot of our modules and microcontrollers support this. You've got the SPI, Serial Peripheral Interface Bus. It's another industry standard that's also supported by our microcontrollers and modules. And this is just a, a representation of these signals on the bus. You'll never, never look at that again because it's all automatic behind the scenes with the software libraries. You also have the one-wire bus. This is a bus that uses one wire. That's why they called it one wire. Uh, it uses one wire plus ground, so technically that's two. But that one wire actually feeds power and data to that device. There are actually two versions of this, one by Dallas Semiconductor and the other by MaxDetect. They are not compatible with each other, so just be aware of that. They would have to be put on separate pins. They can be used on the same Arduino, but not the same pin. You also have an up-and-coming thing that I'm going to be playing with, the controller area network. How many of you used a controller area network today? Everybody raise your hand. You drove your car. You rode in a plane. Well, not a plane, but you, you rode a bus or whatever. 
Controller area networking is an automotive industry standard. That's what that little jack is that all the technicians plug into. That's the CAN bus. The Arduino will also interface to that. Plus, you have the UART, standard TTL communications. Um, there is a limitation, but it's more base, uh, a distance limitation than a speed. I think it all runs about 10 meg. Okay. But it, it's generally for uh, temperature sensors and things like that. Right. Uh, low power devices, you don't want power. You don't want to run power all the way out to them kind of thing. And they've got a range like 100 feet. Yeah. Um, so now, which microcontroller do you use? Crap, I'm going to eat Bill's time up. Um, the choices continue to expand daily. As a general rule, we start out with the Uno and Nano, and that's what I recommend you do. Um, you'll be surprised how many projects you can build with the Uno and Nano. The Uno and Nano uses an 8-bit CPU, 16 megahertz, uh, 32K of flash, 2K of RAM, 1K of double EEPROM, uh, 14 digital I.O. pins, and 6 analog input pins. You've heard me saying all this for years. 7 to 20 volts, uh, or the USB port is what powers it. That's the way you want to start. As you move up, the STM32, uh, this is now a 32-bit instead of the 8-bit. Uh, it goes up to 72 megahertz, 64K of flash, 20K of static RAM. It's got 32 digital I.O. pins. 12 of those can do pulse width modulation. You've got 14 analog input bins, 3 UART, 2 SPI, 2 I2C, and it's a $3 chip. What more could you ask for? You've got the ESP32. This one goes 160 meg to 240 megahertz. 4 to 16 mega flash and all those I.O. pins, touch sensors, UARTs, cost a whopping $3. You've got the new Arduino Nano 33 BLE. BLE, Bluetooth Low Energy. On the board, it operates on 3.3 volts, but it is pin compatible with the Nano, but they're not interchangeable. It's not going to handle 5 volts. It'll blow up. 64 megahertz processor, though. Uh, the A to D is now 12-bit instead of 10-bit. And it's got a 9-axis inertial measurement unit, accelerometer, gyroscope, etc., all on, all on chip, plus the Bluetooth. It's 26 bucks though, so we're getting up there in price, and we're getting out of my price range. If it ain't 3 bucks, I don't want it. But... Uh, You've got the Nano ESP32, same thing, except it uses the ESP32 processor. It also has Wi-Fi, and it supports the Arduino and MicroPython. Again, 20 bucks. Save that for later. You've got the Arduino Nano RP2040. Those of you that saw my last year's presentation talked about the 2040 and the Raspberry Pi Pico. Arduino figured it out and said, we're going to do this too. Uh, it's 130 meg dual core RP2040. Same thing as a Pico, etc. Essentially, it's got the Arduino and MicroPython. It's thirty bucks though. Go for the Pico. It's only what six bucks. You've got the new Arduino R4. This just came out. This is actually plug compatible with the original Arduino Uno. Five volt tolerant, the whole thing. The only difference is the I/O pins only support eight milliamps instead of forty on the Uno. Um, it actually runs the uh, Renaissance RA4M1, um, and it's uh, also got Wi-Fi on board, Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. Uh, the A to D can now do 10 to 214 bits. You can program select it. It also has a D to A output, digital to analog. 
It's got an on-chip op-amp, so you can actually build your own analog circuit using this chip. Uh, it's got separate hardware for the USB and serial ports. There are two versions, the Minima and the Wi-Fi, and again, they're $20 and $27. Really cool, though, if you want to upgrade your UNO project, just pop it right in. You've got the Raspberry Pi Pico. This is the dual 133 megahertz. This is the horsepower, 3 A to D, 26 I.O. pins. It's also got an accurate onboard real-time clock and temperature sensor, $4. $4 or $27, gosh. Uh, but the cool thing about PyCon, uh, the, Py, the Pico is that it can do multiple languages just by changing the, the operating system. It can run uh, C and C++, MicroPython, CircuitPython, the Arduino IDE, and now two versions of BASIC, MMBASIC and Piccolo BASIC. So if you want to write an interactive BASIC, bang, there you go. It's still my personal choice for high-end stuff. Note the word I said, high-end. This would be something you would look down the road. Get familiar with what you got first. Learn this stuff, play, and then get comfortable. And then you can design your own projects. As you grow, you're going to want to design. That's natural. This means you're going to want to document your stuff in that schematic format. Lucky for you, there are some free tools. The Autodesk Eagle. Uh, has been my staple for years. It's free. They are transitioning this to Autodesk Fusion uh, 360 starting in 2026. As such, it's still going to be free for personal use and students and educators, but it's also going to be a little limited in what you're doing. I personally am transitioning to the KiCad or KiCad, which is open source and uh, it's got a lot, lot more features, including circuit simulation. So I'm really heading into the KiCad stuff. And oh, notice the language there. Bluetooth CW Keyer Slave Unit. This is my reminder to talk about that special project in a minute. So what's next for me? My new book, or not my, my new book, but my current book, more Arduino for Ham Radio is available. There's actually a chat radio has it in stock downstairs, along with the ARRL handbook. So those of you that don't have a handbook, but look like all you did, so buy one for your friend. Uh, it also includes another group of completely new and unique ham radio projects. Uh, ARRL should be publishing my new book, which is the best of my Arduino books. I've taken from my first three books and lumped together the best projects, and they will all be in that particular book. Hopefully, it will be out in time for Christmas. And I'm also finishing up the Elector book, and that one also has a, a whole series of new projects, and that one should be out by Christmas. After that, for me, it's time to tell that J-job where they can go and enjoy my retirement. What does that mean? More projects. More fun, more time, more books. But for you, your journey is just beginner, beginning. You're builders, thinkers, creative, inventors. Otherwise, you wouldn't have put up with me all morning. You're a perfect match for this microcontroller world. So imagine the projects you can do. Now that you've been given the toolbox, now you know how to put them together. Now you know the easy way to get into this. Go forth and build them. Make them happen. Take your dreams. It's not that hard. All you have to do is think logically. Think the process through. How do I want this? What do I want it to do?
But as for me, I'm going to see y'all next year. Already I am planning next year's forum. I will have an entire year to put this together. The working title at this moment is Close Encounters of the Microcontroller Kind. Turn your imaginations loose. Because I am. There will be a project demonstration here, theme-related. Let that, let that stuff rattle around in your head for a year. Uh, but that scene right there is my memory tickler on what I'm trying to do. I'll leave you to guess. I can't whistle. <laughs> anyway, before I take questions, i got 10 minutes. Let me quickly uh, follow up on that project I've been hinting about. At Dayton, Dave Minster, AWRL CEO, came to me and said, I have a project that I've asked several people to build and they haven't delivered. Can you do this? And I'm like, tell me what it is. And he explained this project to me and my, I was just like, what? You want to do, why do you want to do this? He wanted to take a standard keyer paddle did not want a keyer built. He wanted an interface so the keyer paddle would go to this unit and it would wirelessly transmit the key contacts remotely to the rig on the other side of the room. And the receiving unit there would trigger the key input of the rig, the flex. Wireless CW. Wait a minute, we're hams. We've been wireless all our lives. But he wanted a wireless, wireless CW. So I took those HCO5 Bluetooth modules with an Arduino. You would key it. The Arduino in there would read the key input, transmit ASCII over Bluetooth to the other unit. Zero was the key, the, the switches have been released. One was the DIT has been pressed. Two was the DA, and if you got them both pressed, it would send a three, because it ended it all together. And then when you released, it sent a zero. On the other end, it decoded. If I see a one, turn on the DIT relay, and I will release it when you release. Turn on the DA relays, I will release it when you release, when I see that zero. So it will hold it as long as you wanted it held. If you use the key or in the flex, it was just like the contacts were there. That was that special project, and that's why I use those Bluetooth modules. Simple, quick, cost about 10 bucks to make it happen. So these are things that you can do. How wild and crazy is that? You will see that in an upcoming QST article, because he came to me yesterday and said, when will that be in my hands? They've been using it, and any of you that have visited W1AW this summer and played with the Flex, guess what? You used it and didn't know because it was hidden under the desk. All you saw was the key wires going down. You just assumed it was connected to a radio. So that was that fun special project. Uh, we will be writing it up in, in uh, QST here uh, probably by November, December thereabouts. But this is, this is a pure example of the creation project, project, uh, process. With the Arduino and the way my brain works, now you've really, uh, you're probably going to need therapy. But um, this is how I think when I put these projects together. Think crazy and then step back and say, how can I make each little piece happen? And by the end of the time, you're going to say, wait, 
It's just nothing but a step, but a bunch of stairs. I just got to make figure this out. Got to figure that out. Got to figure that out. Got to figure that out. And that's where it goes. Anyway, uh, we got seven minutes for questions. Yes, sir. Um, send me an email and I will make sure that you do get um, a copy. Um, it will, this presentation is being recorded and will be replayed on W5KUB and be in his archives. Uh, probably going to be played on the air uh, Tuesday. So th there is that plan, but I'll be glad to give anybody the uh, PowerPoint if they want it. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me repeat the question. He asked, would this presentation be available somewhere else? And yes. Yes, sir. You had anybody else have questions? Yes. Yes, sir. My email address is on QRZ. It's kw5gp at awrl.net. Yes, sir. Uh, have you used, I'm, I'm just a beginner. Yeah. So I greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I was given a microcontroller, I believe, called Teensy. Yes. Have you heard of that? Yes, I have worked with that. Which which number is it? 3.0, 4.1, 4.0? I believe it's 4. 4? Okay. One of the newer ones. Okay. The 4.1 is a 600 megahertz Arduino. It's programmed just like the Arduino. Okay. So, yeah, it's a very high-powered. And, and very similar. Very uh, similar, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. It's got the same footprint as the Raspberry Pi Pico. Anybody else? Yes, sir. I was just going to encourage everybody, uh, Glenn, that, you know, it's uh, on the keypad stuff, right? I, you're beginning to explore that, I know. But I know when I do my projects, I use the keypad, obviously, to capture the schematics and everything, but I take, I actually take them to print circuit boards. The circuit boards are not that expensive. Right. You can make anymore, right? It used to be an expensive... Yeah, and unfortunately, I kind of skimmed through that because I don't want to chew up Bill's time. But yes, the, the, the statement was about KiCad and encouraging the use because with KiCad, you can use it to create your own circuit boards as well. Because odds are you're going to create that one magic project that you're going to want to sell. So sell off the circuit boards. So yeah, that's definitely a way to go. Anybody else? If not... Thank you very much. We're going to give it to Bill. Hope you enjoy his presentation. Okie dokie, we're back. Great job, Glenn. Is it working? Thanks. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I had to, I was listening to it, so I had to, to mute and unmute and switch around. But, uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. I wish we'd had a little bit better video, but it is what it is. Yep. Uh, next time, y'all are just going to have to be there. That's all I can say. Get to a ham fest and, and come up and see it. Well, look, it is uh, it is on our YouTube channel, so I know people are asking for the presentation. Uh, they can pull it up anytime. Just write down, uh, write down this show's date, uh, August the 20. This is uh, August the, what was it, 22nd show. 22nd. Just go to W5KB on YouTube, August 22nd, and you'll always find it. And uh, you can you can replay it and get that information. And I'm sure Glenn will also get you a good, clean copy of it. Oh, yeah. If you if you need a good copy, just email me, kw5gp at awrl.net, and I will email you a PDF copy that you can do whatever you want to with. 
All right. Well, we've come just about to the end of our show there. At, uh, we're gonna we'll be logging off shortwave here in about seven minutes. So, just want to say hello and thank you to everybody out there for tuning in tonight. Uh, you've been listening to Amateur Radio Roundtable. Glenn Popel just uh, gave us a a nice presentation uh, of a forum that he gave at the Huntsville Hamfest. Join us next Tuesday live on W5KB.com. You can join us live there and in the chat room and talk with us directly. And you can always listen to the show on Thursdays from 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time on shortwave on 7490 kilohertz. Join our uh, Facebook group. It's called W5KUB. And please hit the subscribe button for the channel. I would love to have you uh, subscribe. Thank you so much. And Glenn, any closing words tonight before we go uh, crash or get something to eat? <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to get me a peanut butter sandwich. I'm I'm in the mood for peanut butter tonight. Yeah, but, uh, I've already had no, one of those today. Um, I just want to say uh, that forum was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, like I say, now I'm really starting to think up next year and next year I'm going to be going crazy and off the wall. So if y'all can get to Huntsville next year, I strongly recommend coming up and seeing my forum on Saturday. All right. Very good. Well, good night, everybody. Thanks a lot for uh, joining us and we'll see you next week. Save me three. Good night. night.